Happy holidays from Digo and Caleb. We're here today with our holiday special. And to start us off, I got a question for you, Caleb. All right, let's hear. What is your favorite holiday movie? Home Alone. No thought needed. God damn it. Like, that is ex- that is my favorite as well. Home Alone. Yeah. I can't do Christmas without Home Alone. Exactly. No, it's a, it's a serious tradition. I watch it every Christmas Eve. And I have literally for, I don't know, the last like 10 years. Specifically, like it was, it was. I was like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm making this a my tradition thing. Um, Do you still cry when the old man gets back with his family that he hasn't talked oh, to I in know. a while? <laughs> it's so sweet. It's so. It's like, like that movie. And I have to say, um, that movie has one. Not not only so it has one black person, but not only is that the only black person, the only person of color in that movie. Exactly. Who you? Can- <laughs> It's the lady when um they're running to the plane, she lets them in the plane. She's like, Oh, you know, <gasps> I you remember. just you just yeah. made it. Um, you just made it, exactly. Um, so even though there's only one black person in the entire movie, I feel such it it, it just warms my heart watching that movie and that huge family that clearly had issues and they needed to go to therapy. But um I love it. I I yeah, I love them. Also I'm um I've come to the realization that I think it holds like some nostalgia for me like being as like as a kid mm-hmm, growing up with that movie and it being such a huge thing um you know when it came out and then even yeah years after like we had the VHS mm. um I now have the movie on like DVD and Blu-ray um I got the pirated version too <laughs> That works too. That works too. Uh, Now I really want to watch it because, well, I watch a documentary on it. Um, I don't know if you saw the Netflix. Was that the one on Netflix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is beautiful. You find out so much stuff and you find out like that the whole movie movie was filmed in a school. Yeah, yeah. And it like (laughs) almost didn't get made. All all of those documentaries in that series is like basically the, the, the denominator, the common denominator is like, these movies almost didn't get made, and these are movies that changed people's lives, like mm-hmm. Dirty mm-hmm. Dancing, Home Alone, all these Ghostbusters. Uh huh. And oh yeah. my, do you, Eddie Murphy was supposed to be like, yeah, and it was just because mm-hmm. of this, that, and the other that he didn't get in. You know, it was like anyway, the movie's gonna be yeah, it's crazy. But Home Alone, um, that it got filmed in the school was one thing, but that you know they they filmed a movie and it was like you know amazing and. But it was on a low budget, and they were like, okay, it's good, but I wonder if we can like jazz it up. And they sent it to uh, award-winning composer. Yeah. Uh, what's and- John Williams? No. No, no, no. Um, I, don't, I can't remember the composer's name. John Hughes is the guy who like, did yeah, the movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, John Hughes, by the way, if you guys didn't know, he also did like Breakfast Club and Sixteen Candles and all those movies. So. Everything. Yeah. And... Um, but you know they got Star Wars, Indiana Jones, uh, you know those mm-hmm. tracks. Uh, Williams, it's something yeah. Williams. I think it's John Williams. Anyways, who cares? Uh, he saw the movie like a rough cut, and he was like, "Oh, it's beautiful." And then you know you see these scenes like kind of shot, and then you see the same scene. John Williams, you're right. Okay, he was the yeah. He's the one who composed. And then you get a John Williams track over it, and it's that's when you start crying. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the you jazz it up with no, some John I Williams. Love that. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, I love it. It's beautiful. Uh, how um, the two crooks like 
you know how uh joe pesci joe pesci so could like great had to come up with a uh, swear language that was for kids because yeah! he could barely because he couldn't yeah talk without saying fuck every few sentences mm-hmm. and so how the the, uh, the other one i forget his name um was like he was like gonna be in it and then wasn't in it and then, then he wasn't got, and then, then he was and yeah. uh you know just basically blew up his career because of this mm-hmm. um but i don't know if you've seen it it's all a rave right now Shit's creek I have not, but yes, I've heard about it. I know okay. everybody's going crazy. And Catherine O'Hara, who played the exactly. mom in Home Alone, is is the mom in Schitt's Creek. Yeah. And and that's really what brought me to Schitt's Creek. Like people were saying, "Hey, you need to watch it." And then I find out that Catherine O'Hara is in it. I'm like, "Oh, mm-hmm. the mom from Home Alone," you know? And like, yeah. no, no, no. And she's not doing anywhere near Anything a role near, yeah. from what she actually did. Catherine O'Hara is an actress, so she was doing a role but what it reminded me of was her role in beetlejuice uh where she was the mom in that and she was kind of mm-hmm. the stuck up rich uh mom of that so don't tell anybody but i've never like watched beetlejuice in its entirety like i've watched bits and i'm pretty like, sure this pieces. is a podcast <laughs> <laughs> i know <laughs> That was the whole point. That was a joke, ladies and gentlemen. That was the joke that, yes, you're going to hear this. And I've never sat and watched Beetlejuice in its entirety. Well, it's a watchable movie. And it holds water. Mm-hmm. Even today, it's a good one. I'd, I'd watch it. And the fact that Batman was in it, I mean, that's yeah. how we have Batman from the 90s. Played Beetlejuice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, to be honest, that's how we have Catherine Hera today. Just because of that movie, <laughs> you know, because then you saw her, let's put her in uh, Home Alone, uh, you know, well, that's mm-hmm. not the only reason, but one of the reasons, you know, she was out there. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. And secondary movies, yeah. like I s- kind of watched Die Hard, already did, uh, like last week, also because mm-hmm. of this documentary that was covering Die Hard and it's quote unquote a christmas movie but uh yeah yeah yeah, it's not but i still Mm -hmm. do prescribe to it during christmas time yeah um and i will give a shout out to um the a new white santa um (laughs) uh the christmas chronicles uh with i have not watched that yeah it is beautiful it is really it really is it's like uh what's the name fair isn't fair faucet not fair faucet what's her name kate kate Kate's mom. <laughs> what the, the the wife in that in that movie is um and Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn. Yeah, and that's Kate, her daughter. And her daughter her daughter is Kate something. Kate Winslet? <laughs> no. I can't. I cannot. <laughs> We're going to pretend that didn't happen. Kate Hudson. Oh, right, 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 right. She is not in that movie. Oh, so it's Kate Hudson's no, no, I know. daughter? It's a granddaughter? No. no. No, it has nothing to do Goldie with Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn, who's in the Christmas Chronicle, uh-huh. is Kate Hudson's mom. Right, I remember and that. I couldn't remember Goldie Hawn's name, God. and so I was trying to get. I was trying to like bring a correlation like Kate Hudson. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And but anyways, their names aren't even similar, so it wouldn't help. Go, but no. Goldie Hawn is in that. Yes, I've I've heard of that. I have not seen it. Shout out to another Christmas film on Netflix, Jingle Jangle, All Black mm. Cast. It was absolutely stunning and amazing. Forrest Whitaker's in it, so it's a great actor. Felicia Rashad um, is is in it, and it's just it's it's wonderfully done. Very very good. I, I was a little hesitant to accept another Santa Claus in my life after uh, 
the early 2000s tim allen um mm-hmm. but i open up my heart to kurt russell because i love him as an actor he's been in all the quentin tarantino movies left and right so you know i was like all right i'll give you a chance new santa and boom it's everything that tim allen didn't do like mm. santa's like like a wizard you know he's not just <laughs> oh i became santa and i can kind of do things no he's like a He's got powers, you know? He's, he's legit. He's legit. Mm-hmm. He's legit Santa. And it's not like, I'm a buffoon, buff, fumbling Santa. It's like, no, no, no. All the, I'm not going to give it away, but all the plot of the, the turmoil and everything that happens, always under control by Santa. Like, in the end, you're like, you mean you, mm-hmm. you mean you would, you, you mean you could have, the whole time you could, and he's like, I'm Santa. Like, I got, <laughs> I, I'm magical, man. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got it. Nice. I got it. I'm gonna have to. <laughs> I'm gonna have to check that out. Um, my secondary. Well, what, what were you gonna say? No, no, no. That's it. Oh, my secondary would have to be another movie from the '90s. I don't. I don't know if you remember, but uh, Jingle All the Way. Yep, with Arnold Schwarzenegger and I mean, Sinbad. That's that's, that's Turbo the Man. Plot of my dad and the Nintendo 64. Remember <laughs> last year's special? Uh, dad had to go get a 64, and there was a rush, and it was all. This, but yeah, 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 he saw that movie, and he yeah. was like, "Son." This I did that for you. <laughs> I love that movie. It's and I'm not gonna lie, mainly because like Sinbad's hilarious mm. in it, um, and I wish he played in more stuff even today. But um, yeah, that was another one that I I grew up watching and and loving. So I, I really enjoyed Jingle All the Way. And then like the classics, It's a Wonderful Life. Um, that was always on TV like every Christmas. Um. And uh, and then yeah, the Santa Claus that was that was good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Tim Allen. But it's always mm. gonna be Home Alone. That's always gonna be my number one. I Kevin. gotta watch it now. Gotta watch it. Exactly. Come on! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He was a bad kid, man. I was a bad kid, but also I think it's so funny how you can't remake that movie today because there was a suggestion it was golden it was like not remake it but like now you can redo it and say like hey this is taking place in the 90s but there's there's never going to be a home alone today because we have so much technology there's phones and and all this like you can call like it's there's no way that you could leave your child at home and then not have a quick way to get in contact with someone close to the child to be like, hey, go check on him or, or I'm on my way back or something. Um, I wish I remembered somebody like suggested like a, a new Home Alone with Macaulay Culkin of today, like present time. And it was like the perfect idea. And I forget what it was. And it, it, like it could fly. Like it would be, damn. And then I forget what it is. Like whatever. Anyways, um, no, I, it would either have to be, yeah, like you said, it's set in the 90s, it's set in those times, and we do it again. Like, you're not changing a thing, you're just changing yeah. the actors. But yeah. why? It's a perfectly why? made movie. Exactly. And, and my little cousins watch it and love it, so it holds up. Mm-hmm. You don't need to change anything. You've got that uh, score. John Williams is almost dead, if not dead already, and he's not going to be able to... I can't. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So, um... Also, that... so my favorite Christmas song is Carol of the Bells. Um, mm. And they, that version in the song, in that movie is just hauntingly beautiful. 
um because it's it's uh that's the part when he walks in the church. church that church scene yeah that church scene is really yeah. powerful and do you oh, know yeah. macaulay just did it one take mm-hmm. yeah i was like you had all this prowess macaulay and unfortunately um for you unfortunately for you not for us i'm like you you know people live their lives but unfortunately for you you were swept up into the popularity and and all that comes when you're a little kid in hollywood and you know you know his life Mm -hmm. we don't need to get into it but like that's just sucks because you know you you had potential you have potential and if it wasn't for that maybe you you would have had a different life you're like we all had this wonderful like gift of home alone mm-hmm. partially because of this partially because of that definitely because of macaulay culkin um et cetera, et cetera. but he had to suffer Culkin's, to make yeah. that thing happen and now yeah so you get that christmas feeling in the church it's like it's not a quote-unquote christian movie or anything or like severely religious movie but it even has that one scene in, in the church and it's just enough you know it's just enough mm-hmm. to really land the final christmas of it not only that like you said it's not a christian movie but there are these weird undertones like you can go look it up it's kind of, it's like you know theories that people come up with but how like that that guy um one he has he when he slams his hand on the table it's like it's as if like something's in the middle of his hand and has gone through nothing's wrong with his fingers you know you remember when he when Uh um he's at the store and Uh he comes up and he slams his hand and he has a bandage wrapped around it right right um and then also and so some people were like you know it's kind of an allegory to like jesus and you know jesus having the 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 nails and hands and then but then it's like the fact that he has an issue with his son mm. and in all this and so that's just random no 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 i i, I will buy that because it's kind of like you're supposed to be uh giving in the holidays and those people rep you know just loosely here represent mm-hmm. jesus like though those that are unfortunate especially during the holiday times mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. are the faces of jesus and if you can't yeah. you know be good Recognize to them like you're basically yeah. not being good to jesus and then yeah mm-hmm. that the fact that he has uh the sun thing um mm-hmm. forgiveness and everything yeah heavy yeah. part of it um blessing in disguise uh he he saved him right in the end of the movie yeah yeah yeah. exactly Um, so yeah definitely it's really interesting yeah um i was like reading up on all that but just really good feel good heartwarming um Mm -hmm. movie Mm -hmm. and everybody just did so good um because they had a great director who like you know uh, didn't treat the kids as kids they treated yeah. them as actors and mm-hmm. really wanted it was like this is what you get when you get um like on the ground low budget like let's make this movie kind of ha- that's what you get out of it as opposed to huge hundred hundred fifty million dollar budget you know it becomes hugely yeah. hollywood and, and ever- i was gonna i miss that i'm mm-hmm. just gonna say i mean it, i miss mm-hmm. movies that were like amazing but grounded there you didn't need special effects and all this over this makeup it's just regular people 
regular crazy it's a regular situation but it's a crazy situation Mm -hmm. but it's like it's just as good as these fantastical over the top you know movies if not even better really because it's so grounded and rooted in reality there's something Um, that you get even though he definitely would have killed them in reality (laughs) (laughs) those robbers would have been dead he set them on fire dropped irons on them like no, but on the reverse, no like Macaulay Culkin would have been dead. Like there's a family oh. guy episode <laughs> where they like, they redo it. You know, they're like, we're going to uh-huh. redo Home Alone. And it's like 10 seconds. They just come in and just kill the kid and it it's over. Um, <laughs> but there is magic when a production team anywhere, you know, like theatrical mm-hmm. or what whatnot are like barely able to do what they're trying to do. And they're trying to do it because they really want to do it. Like everybody making it, it like exactly like how do we get this done and how do we do that and they're worried about it and then just stressing about it versus just the you got all the money in the world you can do mm-hmm. anything you want and then your imagination runs wild but it's like not grounded but and you're not yeah, and you're not contained yeah. in something yeah. so instead of doing this outlandish idea why don't we just just do this because mm-hmm. just doing this probably is the best answer instead of doing something outlandish right i mean so many things that they did in home alone were a lot of cutting corners and whatnot but that actually ended up being the best thing that they could have done and um go watch home alone you need to watch if you have not seen home alone jesus christ is being born on 21st jesus christ (laughs) you need to watch uh, i also um i have a friend um who he has not seen home alone because friend uh, yes um <laughs> so like don't be fr- you should not be friends with anyone who hasn't seen home alone no he didn't he hasn't watched home alone because he's older than me and he's like uh he remembers when it came out and basically like i have i also have friends who have not seen black panther and they're like it's not that i don't want to see it but it's because there's so much hype around it that it's just like eh. like I get it. Whereas, like, you don't want because everybody's talking about it, and it's so much. You're like, I don't want to. Is it because so, they know what happens? I'm they, pretty sure he knows he what dies. happens after all these years, right? <laughs> <laughs> Has it been enough He's time? Killed. Can I make? Can I make? Him, can I make that joke? And murdered. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, oh, you talking about Black Panther? That's what you're talking about. Home Alone. No, um, the Black Panther. The oh, exactly. Oh, yes, because yes, Chadwick. Yeah, Chadwick passed. Yeah yeah 2020 sucks yeah um but anyways yeah i do have a friend who hasn't seen home alone but you should go see home alone you should watch it also you should check out that netflix documentary with your family yeah with your family get get with your family get some cookies and stuff and watch that it it immediately draws you in it's it's one of those like as soon as you play you're like even if i've seen it a billion times i'm watching the whole thing as soon as i start it i i i it's the music it's the uh, the craziness uh, in the beginning with the family and the and getting off to the airport. It's just like it's such a reels you right in as soon as you're watching it. And then you're stuck. You're stuck mm-hmm. through the whole movie. Um, anywho, watch it. Love it. Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to love it. We're getting a 1% uh, kickback from Home Alone uh, Studios uh, because <laughs> of <laughs> Right, we're doing all this film promotion for free. You ain't getting nothing. No residuals, no nothing. 
Um, so today, um, we're getting some music history. and I got I- a Christmas song for you guys. A really, really famous Christmas song. Um, that was in Home Alone. Aww. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about that and... Then Deagle's got a story for you, and it's just gonna be good. And we're just gonna get you some hot chocolate, okay? Sit mm-hmm. back, put on the fireplace. Um, if you're in California, like just turn on the AC, <laughs> close the blinds, pretend that you know, God, I know it's cold in other parts of the world. Just go outside, get under a tree, <laughs> exactly. you know, enjoy the sun. Uh, <laughs> and later on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna cover a little bit about the history of Christmas. So I did a little bit of that last year, I think, but I'm gonna get a little bit more into it. And um, the Nativity and the Star. So that's what I'm doing after some music history. Interesting. I saw like this article saying that this year the Star of Bethlehem is supposed to be mm-hmm. that's supposed to be able to see it for the first time in eight hundred years, thousands of years. Yeah, I'm getting into that and oh, uh, okay. awesome. science and everything. Oh yeah, eight hundred years. You're right. I okay. Anyways, I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> hasn't been that long it hasn't been that long oh i don't know i'll be like i'm gonna that's whatever i found on 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 nasa and uh wikipedia <laughs> that's what they say all right let's get into this music so today's song is easily one of the most me- most the all right we're gonna try this one more time y'all okay <laughs> i'm leaving one. it in <laughs> <laughs> So, take two. Okay. Today's song is easily one of the most recognizable Christmas songs around the world and across generations. And as I type this, the week ending of December 19th, uh, 2020, it currently sits at number three on the Billboard Hot 100. Um, also, the song that I covered last year, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas, is once again number one. And um, number one on UK charts for the first time. Oh, wow. Yep, I didn't know this that. Year. Go Mariah. I'm really hoping that she gets one more number one because then she'll tie with the Beatles. Like the Beatles had the most number one at 20. She's at 19, and I just I don't know. I'm pretty I'm sure she's a Mariah fan like that, but I I want her to yeah. I want her to be up there. Like you're so close. Anyways, back to the music. So a little background on Brenda Lee. She was born Brenda May Tarpley in 19, 1944 excuse me in atlanta georgia her dad died in a construction accident when she was only eight so she started singing at local events and radio stations and tv shows as a way to help support her family um, when she was 10 she met red foley who at the time was a really popular uh, country singer um, and he was hosting a new show called ozark jubilee which ozark jubilee was a uh kind of like a country music show where all the top country artists would come on and play and stuff. And um, I, I would say it was, I guess, a hit. It went on for like six seasons. So um, so Foley had Brenda open the show with a song called Jambalaya. And not only did, not only was he impressed, uh, but so was the audience. So much so that they wouldn't let her leave until she sang three more songs. Again, okay. she's just 10 at the time. Um, and when Foley was asked, you know a, f- a few years later uh, about what he thought the first time he heard brenda sing he said quote i still get cold chills thinking about the first time i heard that voice one foot started padding rhythm as though she was stomping out a prairie fire but not another muscle in that little body even as much as twitched and when she did that trick of breaking her voice it jarred me out of my trance enough to realize i'd forgotten to get off the stage 
There I stood after 26 years of supposedly learning how to conduct myself in front of an audience with my mouth open two miles wide and a glassy stare in my eyes. So Brenda Lee was only, uh, and to this day only stands at four foot uh, nine inches. Um, <laughs> she was nicknamed Little Miss Dynamite after releasing a single called Dynamite in 1957. But it wasn't until the following year that her most notable and popular song would be recorded. So it's 1958. Johnny Marks writes uh, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Um, He'd also written the Christmas staples, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Holly Jolly Christmas. Not sure if you've ever heard of those. Definitely. Um, Those are also (laughs) part of Christmas. Exactly. Um, so he just, he's just churning out the Christmas hits. Um, and when it was time to find a singer for that song, he told his publisher friend, quote, I want Brenda Lee to do this. In a 2019 interview with the Tennessean, uh, Lee recalled that she didn't know why Marks wanted her to sing it. She says, I was only 12 and I had not had a lot of success in records, but for some reason he heard me and wanted me to do it. And I did. So Brenda recorded the song with members of Nashville's A-Team, the legendary collective of session musicians that included Hank Garland uh, and Grady Martin on guitar, Boots Randolph played saxophone, and the Anita Kerr singers um, who contributed background vocals. Um, It was magic, and I think we all knew it, Lee said. It took a few years for it to take off, but once it did, it really did. And yes, it did take a few years to become the Christmas hit that we know it to be today. Uh, when it was originally released um, in 1958 for Decca Records, it was a major flop and only sold uh, about 5,000 copies. Uh, and then it was re-released again the next year, 1959, and again, just did not do well at all. Um, and it wasn't until 1960 when Lee had a big hit um, called I'm Sorry um, that they again re-released Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Uh, and then it finally started to catch on um, and it cracked the top 20 on the pop charts that year and just continued to do great, you know, the all the years that followed after that. So um, an instrumental version of the song um, appears in the background music in the 1964 television special Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which exclusively featured music written by Marx, John Marx, the the writer of uh, Rock Around the Christmas Tree. And in 1965, it went as high as number three on the Billboard Hot 100 pop singles charts. So over the years, it it, it picked up. Um, then in 1990, you know, a little movie called Home Alone. You know, you might have seen it, might not have. Um, that The song was, was in that movie in its entirety, which exposed it to an entirely new generation of listeners, many of whom weren't even born when Lee charted her last non-holiday top 10, which was a decade earlier. So that new generation included me because I know who she was. That's the, <laughs> that's how I know that song. Like yeah, over and over. Yeah. And is that the scene where he's like trying to pretend there's people in his house? The people, yes. And he's exactly. like pulling the, the exactly. he's got yep. Michael, Jordan Michael Jordan on the train. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and he's pulling the, uh, the dummies and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so cool. Yeah. that's And that's what I, when I hear that song, that's immediately what I think of. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie breathed new life into it, I think, uh, Lee said. It has just been a blessing. Um, so the song has been covered by so many different people, everybody from Cindy Lauper to Miley Cyrus to Justin Bieber. Um, also, um, I had just a bad taste in my mouth when you said that. I was like, I know. 
it's been so, i know i shouldn't have said like the bieber yeah i know but it's yeah it's just a lot of people have a lot of people have done it <laughs> not surprising though yeah. um that's fine i'll get over it <laughs> <laughs> um so brenda who is a member of not only the country not only the rock and roll but also the rockability hall of fame so like three um she considers rocking her signature song uh she says it's extended my career you get to a certain age in this industry and you're not as hot as you once were it's meant to be that way that's why there are numbers under one we can't always be number one i think when you have that mindset you're just thankful that you're a part of something you love to do um so she performs rocking around the christmas tree at all her concerts no matter the season um she says she's probably <laughs> just like thousands and thousands of times yeah exactly yeah um and she says the audience loves it even when it's in the middle of August. Um, and she says, that's the magic of a good song. You don't get tired of singing it. Mm-hmm. So that is it. That is the story behind rocking around the Christmas tree. And the lesson in that is perseverance, ladies and gentlemen, because sometimes the world just is not ready for the magic that you're putting out. So you got to keep putting it out until it wakes up and recognizes, like, oh, this is something that's great and we need to pay attention to it. Cool. Makes me even want to watch Home Alone even more. Got to hear know. that song. That song is important. That song is also about Christmas. It is, it is. tied with Home Alone. Um, Home Alone wouldn't be as good without it. Also, I just wanted to, to make sure I, I... She was 13. So when you mm-hmm. listen to that song... I because I, I listened to it again as I was doing all this research and putting this together, and I'm like, she sounds amazing to be 13. Like, and it's really that's the thing. It's about the control. That's mm. what makes you know when you hear a, a singer who's young and people are going crazy about like the control that she had. Um, and yeah, I'm just like, wow. I I had no clue that she was only 13 when she. Maybe that's why they picked it. Like they knew that she was a young person doing this, and this movie was about a young person doing things that a young person doesn't usually do. Yeah, maybe they, they were like, maybe. Well, maybe not, but it. I could see that mm-hmm. being like, oh, like that jives with this uh, theme that we got going on. Um, mm-hmm. Young people can defend themselves against uh, armed attackers. Or sing an incredibly amazing Christmas song that we all know and love, and it's from yeah. a little girl. Well, little girl, young woman, thirteen is that? Like, wow, right in there. <laughs> right, I know that. That's small, little niche. Um. So. Well, today, like I said, I'm gonna get into the Christmas Star Nativity. And a little history of Christmas. Uh, my articles are from NASA.gov, The Great Conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn by Bill Keeter, uh, History.com's History of Christmas, and New York Times, In a Tough Year, a Nativity Scene That Has Had Problems by Jason Horowitz. So, all right, Skywatchers, Skywatchers and nerds and everybody who loves the stars and heavens are in for a year of end of year retreat. Are 
Some writer, sorry. Peter pecked a pickle pepper. Yeah. Peter pecked a pick peck, pickle pepper. And I read oh this article God. like before I like, but this is like, a, it's just, I want to mm-hmm. say retreat, which is the problem there. Uh, Sky Watchers are in for an end of year treat. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, which has become known popularly as the Christmas star is an especially vibrant planetary conjunction. That means when two planets align. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's easily visible in the evening sky over the next two weeks. Um, basically up to, well, this was when it was written. It's actually only available for the next two or three days um, <laughs> as the bright planets uh, Jupiter and Saturn come together. And you can kind of see it now. So even if it's not the 21st, uh, the other day I was walking and I saw two stars like that were pretty bright and pretty close. I did too. Yeah. And, and I got my little um, night's you know, star app and I was like, yep, that that's who they are, Jupiter and Saturn. Mm. And so on December 21, which is also the solstice, uh, mm-hmm. and we're gonna get into this. This is why this is like so like Christmas is so centered around these celestial events. Um, that's when the Jupiter and Saturn will align or what's it called? That conjunction. In 1610, Italian astronomer Galileo Galilei pointed his telescope to the night sky, discovering the four moons of Jupiter, Io, uh, which are Eo, Europa, Ganymede, and Callisto. In that same year, Galileo also discovered a strange oval surrounding Saturn. Later observations determined it to be its rings. These discoveries changed how people understood the far reaches of the solar system. 13 years later, in 1623, the solar system's two giant planets, Jupiter and Saturn, traveled together across the sky. Jupiter caught up and past Saturn in an astronomical event known as the Great Conjunction. You can imagine the solar system to be a racetrack uh, with each of the planets as a runner in their own time, in their own lane, and the Earth towards the center of the stadium. Um, From that vantage point, from our vantage point, we're able to see Jupiter on the inside lane approaching Saturn all month and finally overtaking it on December 21st. The planets regularly appear to pass each other in the solar system, with the positions of Jupiter and Saturn being aligned in the sky once every 20 years. Uh, What makes this year spectacle so rare, then, is that it's been nearly 400 years since the planets passed this close to each other on the sky, and nearly 800 years since the alignment of Saturn and Jupiter occurred at night, as well Mm. as it will for 2020. So, you know... This happens all the time. It's just that, you know, now we're getting it in the perfect scenario, allowing nearly everyone around the world to witness the Great Conjunction. The closest alignment will appear just a tenth of a degree apart and will last for a few days. On the 21st, they will appear so close that a pinky finger at arm's length will easily cover both planets in the sky i don't really know why that's in this article the planets will be easy <laughs> yeah i'm like what does i'm like have to do like can um, a pinky cover up most can it, I, can, I can cover up the sun the moon right <laughs> um and while the conjunction is happening on the same day as the winter solstice, the timing is merely a coincidence based on the orbits of the planets and the tilt of the Earth. And, you know, conjunctions like this could happen at any time, any day of the year, depending on where the planets are in their orbits. 
The date of conjunction is determined by the positions of Jupiter, Saturn, and Earth, and there are points around the sun, while the date of the solstice is determined by the tilt of the Earth's axis. So the solstice is the longest night of the year. So this is rare coincidence. It will give people a greater chance to go outside and see the solar system and act in its crazy ways. Um, For those of you who would like to see this phenomenon for themselves, here's what to do. Find a spot with an unobstructed view of the sky, such as a field or a park. Jupiter and Saturn are bright, so they can be seen even from most cities. This is true. I saw it here, and I'm near D.C. So, uh, An hour after sunset, exactly when I was seeing it, look to the southwestern sky. Jupiter will look like a bright star and be easily visible. Saturn will be slightly fainter and appear slightly above and to the left of Jupiter until until December 21st when Jupiter will overtake it and they will reverse positions in the sky. The planets can be seen with the unaided eye, but if you have a binoculars or a small telescope, you might be able to see Jupiter's four large moons orbiting, orbiting the giant planet. Fun, fun, fun. So it's no coincidence that the solstice and maybe even this conjunction happening near the solstice time drives the kind of the power and the fantasy of Christmas. So a little history. Christmas is celebrated on the 25th of December and is both a sacred religious holiday and a worldwide cultural and commercial phenomenon. For two millennia, people around the world have been observing it with traditions and practices that are both religious and secular in nature. Christians celebrate Christmas Day as the anniversary of the birth of Jesus. Popular customs include exchanging gifts, decorating Christmas trees, attending church, sharing meals, was attending church, Uh, (laughs) sharing meals, was was with family and friends, Mm -hmm. and of course, waiting for Santa Claus to arrive. December 25th, Christmas Day, has been a federal holiday in the United States since 1870. But when and how, how did Christmas start? Uh, The middle of winter has long time been a celebration around the world. Centuries before the arrival of the man called Jesus, early Europeans celebrated light and birth in the darkest days of winter. Many peoples rejoiced during the winter solstice when the worst of the winter was behind them and they could look forward to longer days and extended hours of the sunlight. In Scandinavia, the Norse celebrated Yule from December 21st, the winter solstice, through January. In recognition of the return of the sun, fathers and sons would bring home large logs, which they would set on fire. The people would feast until the log burned out, which would take as many as 12 days. Ooh, girl, that sounds good. Mm, that's a party. <laughs> mm. The Norse believed that each spark from the fire represented a new pig or calf that would be born during the coming year. The end of December was a perfect time for celebration in most areas of Europe, and at that time of the year, most cattle were slaughtered so they uh, would not have to be fed during the winter. For many, it was the only time of the year when they had a supply of fresh meat. In addition, most wine and beer made during the year was finely fermented and ready for drinking. So it was just, mm-mm, time to eat and drink. Hard time. In Germany, people honored the pagan god Odin, uh, which if you've seen Thor, Thor, there, thank you. Uh, <laughs> that's that guy with the, with the eye patch, um, who like, he's dead. He's got a, that's s- Thor's father. he's got to sleep every year for like a week and they got to defend against these evil monsters. That's also part of it. Like 
and during the winter time they're like every year odin's gotta sleep and they have to mm. battle the night or whatever and anyway uh germans uh were terrified of odin as they believed he made nocturnal flights through the sky to observe his people <laughs> and then decided who should prosper or who should perish because of his presence many people chose to stay inside all right uh in rome let's talk about saturnalia in rome where winters were not as harsh as they were the far north saturnalia saturnalia obviously i'm that's saturn alia mm-hmm. uh, a holiday in the honor of saturn the god of agriculture was celebrated Beginning in the week leading up to the winter solstice and continuing for a full month, Saturnalia was a hedonistic time when food and drink were plentiful, and the normal Roman social order was turned upside down. For a month, slaves would become masters. Peasants were in the command of the city. Business and schools were closed so that everyone could join in the fun. Also, around the time of the winter solstice, Romans observed Juvenalia, a feast honoring the children of Rome. In addition, members of the upper classes were often celebrated, often celebrated the birthday of Mithra, the god of the unconquerable sun, on December 25th. It was believed that Mithra, an infant god, was born of a rock. For some Romans, Mithra's birthday was the most sacred day of the year. So, question that many people have. Is Christmas really the day Jesus was born? In early years of Christianity, Easter was the main holiday. The birth of Jesus was not really celebrated. In the 4th century, church officials decided to institute the birth of Jesus as a holiday. Unfortunately, the Bible does not mention a date, um, although some evidence suggests that his birth may have occurred in the spring, why would shepherds be herding in the middle of winter? Uh, Pope Julius I first uh, chose December 25th. It is commonly believed that the church chose uh, this date in an effort to adapt and absorb the traditions of the pagan Saturnalia festival. First called the Feast of the Nativity, the custom spread to Egypt by 432 and to England by the end of the 6th century. By holding Christmas at the same time as the traditional winter solstice festivals, church leaders increased the chances of that Christmas would be popularly embraced, but gave up the ability to dictate how it was celebrated. By the Middle Ages, Christianity had for the most part replaced pagan religion. On Christmas, believers attended church, then celebrated uh, in a drunken carnival-like atmosphere similar to today's Mardi Gras. Each year, a uh, beggar or student would be crowned the lord of misrule and eager celebrants played the part of his subjects the poor would go to the houses of the rich and demand their best food and drink if owners failed to comply their visitors would most likely terrorize them with mischief christmas became the time of the year when the upper classes would repay their real and imagined debt to society by entertaining less fortunate citizens hmm. we should really kept that <laughs> that was gonna say so like, we should really kept that amazon pay us mm-hmm. or exactly what we about to tear you up <laughs> tear you up um 
In the early 17th century, a wave of religious reform changed the way Christmas was celebrated in Europe. When Oliver Cromwell and his Puritan forces took over England in 1645, they vowed to rid England of decadence and, as a part of their effort, cancel Christmas. By popular demand, Charles II was restored to the throne, and with him came the return of the popular holiday. The pilgrims... English separatists that came to America in 1620, these fantastic people, were even more orthodox in their Puritan beliefs than Cromwell, and as a result, Christmas was not a holiday early in America. From 1659 to 1681, the celebration of Christmas was actually outlawed in Boston. Anyone exhibiting the Christmas spirit was fined five shillings. By contrast, in Jamestown Settlement, Captain John Smith reported that Christmas was enjoyed by all and passed... That's Pocahontas' boyfriend. Mm. I'm sorry. I just had to. <laughs> I just had to. <laughs> Let's be real. You mean Pocahontas' rapist and exactly. forced slave, sex Talk slave? About it. Um, that's probably what happened. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so he said he was, uh, he was all about Christmas. After the American Revolution, English customs fell out of favor, including Christmas. In fact, Christmas wasn't declared a federal holiday again until June 26th, 1870. So, during that time, um, Washington Irving, he reinvented Christmas. It wasn't until that 19th century that Americans began to embrace Christmas again. Americans reinvented Christmas and changed it from a crazy carnival holiday into a family-centered day of peace and nostalgia. But what was it that piqued Americans in the interest of this particular holiday? Well, in the early 19th century, it was a period of class conflict and turmoil. Today, Mm -hmm. (laughs) then, today, all the time. During this time, unemployment was at a high. And gang rioting by the disenchanted by the disenchanted classes, often occurred during the Christmas season. So in 1828, the New York City Council instituted the city's first police force in response to a Christmas riot. It catalyzed certain members of the upper classes to begin to change the way Christmas was celebrated in America. In 1819, the best-selling author Washington Irving wrote The Sketchbook of Joffrey Crayon, a series of stories about the celebration of Christmas in English Manor House. The sketches featured a squire who invent, who invited the peasants into his home for the holiday. In contrast to the problems faced in American society, the two groups mingled effortlessly. In Irving's mind, Christmas should be more peaceful, warm-hearted holiday, bringing groups together across lines of wealth or social issues. Irving's fictitious celebrations enjoyed ancient customs, including the crowning of a lord of misrule. And in Irving's book, however, this was not based on a holiday of celebration he had attended. In fact, many historians say that Irving's account actually invented the tradition of him by implying that it described the true customs of the season. Hmm. And let's not forget the infamous A Christmas Carol. Also around this time, English author Charles Dickens created the classic holiday tale a Christmas Carol, uh, the story's message and importance of charity and goodwill towards all mankind struck a powerful chord in the United States and England and showed members of the Victorian society the benefits of celebrating the holiday. 
The family was also becoming less disciplined and more sensitive to the emotional needs of children during the 1800s. Christmas provided families with a day when they could lavish attention and gifts on their children without appearing to spoil them. As Americans began to embrace Christmas as a perfect family holiday, old customs were unearthed. People looked towards recent immigrants and Catholic and Episcopalian churches to see how the day should be celebrated. In the next hundred years, Americans built a Christmas tradition all on their own that included pieces of many other customs, including decorating trees, sending holiday cards, gift giving, burning Yule logs, everything. Uh, although most families quickly bought into the idea that they were celebrating Christmas how it had been done for centuries, Americans had really reinvented a holiday to fill the cultural needs of a growing nation. And finally, who the hell invented Santa Claus? <laughs> the whole Where time I had not mentioned Santa Claus. We're into the late 1900s here. The legend of Santa Claus can be traced back to a monk named St. Nicholas, who was born in Turkey around 200 AD. St. Nicholas gave away all of his, un- of his inherited wealth and traveled to the countryside, helping the poor and the sick, becoming known as the protector of children and sailors. Hmm. Sailors. Hmm. St. Nicholas first entered American popular culture in the, eight, in the late 18th century in New York when Dutch families gathered to honor the anniversary of the death of St. Nicholas, Dutch for St. Nicholas, or Sinterklaas for short. Santa Claus draws the name from his abbreviation. Hmm. In 1822, Episcopal minister Clement Clark Moore wrote a Christmas poem called An Account of a Visit from St. Nicholas. More popularly known by its first line, "'Twas the night before Christmas." Christmas. Christmas. "'Twas, twas the night before Quizmas. Christmas." "'Twas." "'Twas." Mm. <laughs> uh, the poem depicted Santa Claus as a jolly man who flies from home to home in a sled driven by reindeer to deliver toys. Again, you know, a lot of these traditions, it's just a bunch of weed and, and, and just, Seriously? you know, just a like, bunch of drunk people, like, weed, you know, mushrooms. They're just making stuff up as they go. Just, like, hmm, y'all want to change stuff? Let's mm-hmm. make it. Let's make a holiday. Actually, let's take a holiday and remake it. Yeah, like, remake it. <laughs> so, just remake it. Redo yeah. it. Uh, so y'all, the way, the way people remix songs is like, yep. that's how y'all, y'all just remixing holidays. Like, mm. <laughs> let's, let's change things up. Let's do a little different. So this iconic version of Santa Claus as a jolly man in a red and white beard and a sack of toys was immortalized in 1881 when political cartoonist Thomas Nast drew on Moore's poem to create the image of old St. Nick that we know today. All right. So just a few random Christmas facts. Um, Each year, 30 to 35 million real Christmas trees are sold in the United States alone. Uh, There are about 21,000 Christmas tree growers in the United States, and trees usually grow for about 15 years before they are sold. Um, The first eggnog made in the United States was consumed in Captain John Smith's 1607 Jamestown settlement. Uh, Poinsettia plants are named after Joel R. Poinsettia, an American minister to Mexico who brought the red and green plant from Mexico to America in 1828. And Rudolph, the most reindeer of all, was a product of Robert L. May's imagination in 1939. 
The copywriter wrote a poem about the reindeer to help lure customers into Montgomery Ward, the department store. I don't know if you, you remember, remember that. that yeah, I, I remember yeah, yeah. that. Oh, okay, I remember okay. that. I was like, yeah, I remember but that's that. like that's like in the eighties. Like I was born and yeah. that thing was dying, right? Like, yeah. like well that's the thing. I I remember like I don't remember ever going into one or anything. But my so. mom always talks mm-hmm. about always talked about Montgomery Ward. So we went to Montgomery and I was like, Yeah. So and I think it's just like today, like whoever's going to Macy's and JC Penny is because it's like dying and they and the mm-hmm. prices are really low because they can't or do you remember do you remember a store called hex girl that was like sears yeah it was like sears and stuff and kind of macy's and JC yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was my mom's that favorite out. that was my yeah. mom's favorite now i remember going to like hex and i remember seeing the signs mm-hmm. and stuff yeah um so let's uh step over into vatican city for a moment um you know the center of it all Catholicism. <laughs> um, in the Vatican, Christmas is celebrated, obviously. I mean, can you imagine going to the Vatican and how well decorated it is? Like, freaking just, just all kinds of decorations, all bought on Amazon.com. Okay. A, <laughs> um, a couple stood in front of the Vatican's new Christmas nativity scene in St. Peter's Square. Trying to understand exactly what the hell they were looking at. This is this is right now, this year. The three wise men, life-size and cylindrical, looked as if constructed from ceramic oil drums. Joseph and Mary, uh, fathers of uh, parents of Jesus, uh, likewise torpedo-shaped, seemed to be like enormous Bible-themed weebles. I don't know what that is, a weeble, but that's what they yeah. come. Two enigmatic totemic figures. So like they just look like statues, basically, what they're trying to say here, uh, stood in the middle of the platform. One held a shield and a decorative spear and had for a head what appeared to be an overturned cauldron carved like an angry Halloween jack-o'-lantern. The other wore an astronaut's helmet and held like a crater moon in his hands. That one there, Giorgio Banti, 71, asked his wife, Anita, as they gazed at the figures on Wednesday morning. She shrugged and read the informational poster. First landing on the moon. Every year, the Vatican unveils a different nativity scene usually donated by an Italian town, to be displayed next to the ancient obelisk in the center of St. Peter's Square. Last year's artists sculpted the whole family, the Magi, the Magi, the Magi, the Magi, angels and donkeys out of 720 tons of beach sand. Cool. In 2016, the display featured a Maltese fishing boat to invoke the Travails of the Refugees. The one in 2017 highlighted the works of mercy with a man visiting a prison cell and another burying a shrouded body, complete with dangling pale arm. This year, the Vatican went in another direction toward Castilli, a town in the Abruzzo region of central eastern Italy known for its centuries for ceramics. Between 1965 and 1975, students and teachers at a local art school there sought to revive the tradition of using ancient coiling techniques, rings of ceramics stacked in sections like marble 
columns to create more than 50 Christmas-themed figures. They graced Rome's Trajan markets in 1970 and made it to Jerusalem in 1976. They survived earthquakes in 2009 and 2016 and a bad snowstorm in 2017. Finally, this year, they made it to the big show, the Churchyard of Christianity. And the reviews have not been so hot. <laughs> it's hideous, said Miss Banti, who looked at the ceramic menagerie of animals. Chicks that look like fallen meteorites. A camel made out of ceramic cubes with horror. What do they have? That one with horns, she asked. What is that? A turkey? That critique has been amplified by conservatives who see the ceramic figures a further erosion of church traditions. Keep in mind everything I just said. Church traditions. Mm -hmm. And customary Mm -hmm. images they hold so dear. The Vatican's embarrassing sci-fi cliché, the nativity, read a headline in the conservative Catholic Herald, which, like many conservative outlets and commentators, they condemned the nativity scene. One figure was often described as looking like Darth Vader, wrote the article's author, who then upped the nerd ante. Though it looks like to me more like a Santuran from Doctor Who. Mr. Banti, a university professor, thought his wife and all the conservative critics were missing the point. He sought to provide more historical context. What history? His wife interrupted. Why won't you let me finish? He said. I didn't interrupt you. His wife walked off in a huff while he explained that he remembered his style, this style of ceramics from his youth, that it was of a time and place when the moon landings dominated the secular and religious imagination, and that these harmless figures did not deserve all the insults they were getting in the Philistine Italian press, with some writers even suggesting something demonic should be afoot. They could be ugly, or it could be beautiful, but it's not satanic. Satanic? asked Ana Maria Zeppa, a retired school teacher who wore a beret and leaned on a single ski pole as she stood a few feet away. She was looking at the ceramic figure, maybe an angel, blowing a trumpet that looked like a fruit roll-up. What does satanic have to do with it? For some traditional conservatives, it's everything. But they also tend to criticize Pope Francis for an overzealous spirit of inclusion that has opened the church's doors to relativism and more literally fertility statues, which some conservatives threw into the Tiber River. That's something to look into. I looked into it. It's like, oh my God, typical church stuff. Hmm. Francis, who has shown an interest in space exploration, uh, also seems willing to push the limits of a nativity scene. Last year, he issued a document, Admirable Signum, in which he defended a more open-minded approach to the nativity scene. Children, but adults too, often love to add the nativity scene other figures that have no apparent connection with the gospel accounts, he wrote. The late soccer player Maradona has been a fixture in mangers of a nativity scene's in Naples for decades, so... <laughs> uh, this year, the city's artisans made a, uh, a nativity scene out of uh, pizza dough. 
Maradona and pizza is one thing, but 60s era ceramic arts is apparently beyond reason. Like, fuck that. Uh, postmodern Vatican nativity scene provokes a wave of criticism. Uh, complained a headline in the National Catholic Register, another home of conservative dissent during the Francis uh, Pontifet, Pontificate, during Francis Pope time. (laughs) (laughs) It bemoaned 20 modernistic ceramic objects, including a morbid, satanic-looking executioner. Art historians popular in the Vatican's conservative circles also considered the nativity scene an unnecessary insult to the injury of a plague year. It has been a dark year and many have had their faith challenged. Perhaps it would have been better to give them a symbol to rally around than an object of mockery. These misshapen figures in the nativity scene lack all the grace, proportion, vulnerability, and luminosity that one looks for in a nativity scene. Gazing at the nativity scene, Maria Letizia Panari, 58, said that ceramic figures were just what she was looking for in a nativity scene. I like it. These are not traditional times. And we don't need a traditional nativity scene. It's representative of our anomalous age. It's disconcerting, but this is a disconcerting year. The only thing I don't understand is the astronaut and sort of the monster behind him. I see her mother, Agria84, agreed, squinting through the sunglasses. How can you say you see, she told her mother. You can't see a thing. The daughter added that she saw nothing offensive about the nativity scene. The adjacent Slovenian spruce that dwarfed It in the square was another matter. What is ugly is that tree, she said. Shaggy, agreed her mother. The Vatican has yet to mount a vigorous defense of its tree or the nativity scene. The life-size ceramic statues hold a cultural heritage not immediately visible to the eye, suggested the Vatican News, its official news outlet. And And some Romans need seem to be coming around to it. It's peculiar, Mariona Sebasti, 38, said, as she looked at Joseph and Mary flanking the baby Jesus, who will be cloaked until Christmas Eve with a red tarp. Oof, God knows what they look like. The the ones that leave me a little perplexed are the astronauts. But they made this when man went to the moon, so it has something to do with progress, I think. Christina Massari, 52, a guide in Rome, also said it wasn't as bad as she expected, given all the negative coverage. Plus, in the year of the epidemic, pandemic, she appreciated that there was something otherworldly, but also empathetic about the nativity scene that endured natural disasters and scorn. It's a nativity scene that has had its problems. Like we've all had a lousy year, she said. If it made it, we can. <laughs> you should there look you at them. They, I know. I'm gonna like Google it, them. Uh, yeah, it's definitely not as bad as they're saying. Making it is unique, definitely, mm-hmm. and beyond 
that it has some history from when it was originally made um, during those times of it fits because here we are in the future, right? Mm -hmm. And we are like debating science. We are at the same time debating science. We're going to establish colonies in the moon. We're, We're going further into Mars. We've taken pictures of Pluto uh at this year we're getting yeah. that um alignment of jupiter and saturn we're seeing uh, uh something that we as a society have not seen and we've only like seen in a movie where the the nativity the the nativity star the the christmas mm-hmm. star and it's just something of a myth but that now is being presented to us in space we can go see it now the infamous nativity star Everything that I see about that makes sense for it to be there today. It's like, it's actually the most perfect nativity scene. Fits perfectly. Well, the first thing that came to my mind was just the fact that it's art. And art comes down to the person viewing it. So one person could think it's the most hideous thing. And somebody else could be like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. So it's... At the end of the day, it's art and it's up for interpretation. And it's also yeah. not permanent. It's not like it's there not like go. yeah, it's not like it's going to be the there Sistine forever. Chapel where you have like mm-hmm. naked children painted all over there for the centuries, and you're like, <laughs> we're just going to leave that up, you know? And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no, this is this is just today, and then next year you're going to have something else, and just something different. Yeah, let it be. And and it's cool to have that history. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, cause exactly. Because this was made so long ago. Um, and to have it, yeah, survive through these years. And yeah, it's able to be displayed. Like, people just want to be upset. And the first thing <laughs> um, they'll say is like, Satan. Like, no, I, I know. No That's one. the first thing people jump to that is like, everything's demonic. And it's like, calm down. Calm yeah. down. Not at uh, all. Like, not at all. Like, it doesn't. That's not. I never. When I looked at it, I was like, I didn't think of that at all. And started reading the article. And I was like, of course, that's the first thing you think of. The mm-hmm. first thing you would think of is that this. Because it's not the quote unquote traditional view, which everything about the traditional view has been kind of created through waves of culture to this point. Like, yeah. uh, if you truly believe that this is what happened, um, the fact that they're in the Middle East would point to that this wasn't in the winter time, but it was in more of another time. So there was actually never even a Christmas star. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there was probably no magi or you know et cetera et cetera et cetera um these traditions have been built up until now and why can't you tack on other traditions so yeah. now you know basically back in the day whether or not um this whole scene existed definitely space travel was not a thing but now it is so also side note when you were t- talking about the scene um, uh, uh, I was, it's interesting because if you actually read the story of the birth of Christ, the wise men didn't come until Jesus was like seven. Um, like they were not there. 
<laughs> they so didn't come like always a few days later. It was like, yeah, they c- like it was years later. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just interesting that, yeah, you see all these images and things and it's like, like if you just go read the story, like it ain't have like no, they weren't there. Mm. It was just them also, and the chickens and the cows. Um, in Central and South America, it's well, at least in Central America, I don't know about something. Uh, that the the present giving is obviously when the Magi arrive. So uh, mm-hmm. what, what's it called? The uh, King's the Day, Wiseman. the Wise Men Day, the King's Day, which is like January something. Oh uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's when they got the presents. Date, but... Like mm-hmm. Jesus wasn't like the day of birth of jesus that wasn't like and and yeah. and why would his birthday get you presents like that doesn't make any sense but then like oh the magi gave presents to jesus so then they give you some presents but mm-hmm. that changed because like santa and then but they didn't want santa because like santa was like sacrilegious like ugh, you know it's like this is nothing mm-hmm. to do with jesus at all so now they replaced with uh baby jesus came and gave you presents underneath your bed and there was some of that tradition for a while so tradition of christmas is in the eye of the holder wherever you are it changes with the seasons it changes with years and it's like will we hold on to santa Mm -hmm. uh forever probably not i know that's what i was that's really what i was thinking of well well, one, I have a question for you. And then, uh, but I was thinking of how that's so interesting that really um, our idea of Christmas today is not that old. Um, the fact that it's a 19th century mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah, that's just interesting. And then also, yeah, I was thinking about like, hmm, well, it could, could possibly change um, in the future. Did you want to end in the question? Did you know all of this stuff? Most of it. Like, I didn't know about, I did know that um uh like yes they were like christmas was in order to replace that Mm -hmm. pagan holiday and and whatnot but um the iterations of the christmas celebration i did not know yeah what i learned there was the specifics of that going on and off and on and off and then Mm. then well i'm just laughing because then it's not about the holiday now it's about making money (laughs) so Mm -hmm. that's what it really became what it is because it's like oh well forget the holiday whether it's jesus or santa we need to sell some trees and some ornaments and buy this thing for your also it's a time to appease those that are poor like Mm -hmm. it was kind of a that sort of machine like your life is shit but like during this time can you just calm down and Mm-hmm. and i'll give you a few things and then you could shut up for a year is kind of what i'm getting from this yeah. um yeah and uh and just that like knowing that for centuries it wasn't celebrated at all which means for centuries i didn't have to go, as this is catholic uh, perspective as for centuries you didn't have to go to church on christmas for christmas yeah so for centuries those people weren't going to to all Catholics out there. You'll you'll get my logic here. You didn't have to go to Christmas mass, but something happened during the 16th century or 15th century, whatever, that all mm-hmm. of a sudden, you know, Pope, what's his face, we're gonna make Jesus born on Christmas we're 25th. We're gonna celebrate. Yeah, we're the, gonna yeah. celebrate. It's Christmas mass, and now you have to. If you don't go to mass, mm-hmm. now you're going to hell. Like that is that's how it goes. To I mean, that's that's 
the that yeah, is black and white with Christmas. Like, uh, oh, sorry, yeah. with with Catholicism. If you don't go to church when you're supposed to go to church. You have uh, violated the commandments of God, and then you are in grave sin. And you, if you don't penance or you don't go to confess your sins, you'll go to hell. Mm. And what were all the millions of people doing before this was assigned? Um, what they're going to hell, or or because you didn't say it? Uh, God up there was like, oh well, you know, wasn't written yet. So technically, you know, the by the bylaws of the Catholic Church, uh, you know, I, I I can let you in. But then, you know, hey, what, was there a grace period after you instituted the law? And was yes. uh, uh, Saint Peter up there? Was like, sorry, man, you, you didn't make it within the grace period. Um, you're you're 24 hours too late. You know, I'm sorry. You got to go to hell. I, these are the things that make me irk when when I'm thinking about not Christianity but Catholicism and how I was going to say rigid, that's very specific like, too. Yeah, very rigid about this whole thing. It's like, mm-hmm. and honestly, that does not. It it makes sense that the main celebration would be the death and the mm-hmm. and the rebirth. That makes mm-hmm. all the sense uh, as to when was that's kind of like oh you know that's kind of cool to like know you know that it maybe even celebrated but how now it's the reverse now like you know um, Easter Sunday and all that stuff yeah it's celebrated it's kind of important but nowhere near as important as Christmas it Christmas is everything but again I think but again I think that is because whether you people want to admit it or not. Uh, Christmas is commercialized exactly and so even if you want like like we can't stop the emphasis of Christmas and so mm-hmm. Easter is Easter but Easter is not commercialized in the way that Christmas is and so they've tried even if you they've wanted to that's, yeah <laughs> so that's the point yeah that's the point of getting it that even if you wanted to put the emphasis on um even if for Christmas you want to say like hey we're gonna focus the emphasis on the birth of christ like it's already so commercialized that it's like a train that's already running Mm -hmm. and it's really hard to to stop so it's beyond it's it's beyond whatever you want to focus on for now yeah for now exactly for now who knows what will happen i know that christians will sect and sect until they come up with their own thing again and they'll have their own belief systems and actually there are already there are there are sects that believe that, uh, yeah, that Christmas 25th isn't when Jesus was born. They celebrate it on a different day. Um, or they don't celebrate it at all, and they just celebrate um, mm-hmm. Easter. Um, I just found out the other day, I can't believe I didn't know this for so long, but that the whole egg thing actually comes from Ju- Judaism, um, where they eat what eggs for... Passover or something or something, whatever happens around um, uh, Easter that Jews also celebrate, which Mm. every major religion celebrates something around uh, the sun's different times, whether it be the solstice or the summer solstice, Mm -hmm. you know, spring, winter, those two huge marks of the year. There's always a festival. And for the Jews, they have something during around that time. I forget what, maybe it is Passover. I think it's Passover. And there's something about eggs, you know, that they would make an egg or I don't know what it is. And then obviously here comes like 
Christianity and then we're going to do the around your time as well and take that holiday and um what what do you do with eggs? Oh okay, we're going to paint them now. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean it's 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 barring and taking traditions um and basically what I'm just getting to is just even if the tradition doesn't align with what you've done for the last 50 years does it mean it's not uh, valid or it can't change because these traditions are just that they're traditions and only for this period of time we didn't always celebrate santa we didn't always celebrate on the 25th we didn't always do trees we didn't always do christmas at all we didn't always, it, it is constantly morphs and and why not include uh modern things that are very important to us and actually define us as humans now we have gone to space. Why shouldn't that be an important inclusion? Uh, especially when we're talking about stars and yeah. um, that sort of thing. It's like now it's not a, a thing in the sky. It's a star. It's a burning planet. Um, let's include it. Before they did, they said it was the planet Jupiter and it was mm-hmm. or Saturn or whatever. And they included it in their festival. Then no. And now it's sacrilegious to even say it. <laughs> so it's just it's just like um it's yeah, yeah it's all comes down to a control thing especially within catholicism mm-hmm. um it's very much like don't question what we say when mm. i always tell people just read the bible for yourself you ain't got it. I'm, t- I'm telling you you save yourself a lot of trouble and all that stuff just stop listening to people i mean it's okay to listen to some people but just it's there you can read it for yourself <laughs> just see and and you can get all your questions answered for you um but question for you did you ever believe in santa we did not like that was just not a thing like and not even and i don't say that as in like my parents weren't like oh my gosh like santa's not real we believe in jesus but it was just like my mom's like no i bought you these gifts and some white man in north pole is not about to get credit uh for the money that i spent it was it was muddy because since my parents never grew up with Santa, uh, it wasn't also something that that was ingrained. So they didn't have this thing where like, oh, we got to make sure he doesn't know that there's no Santa. Like that was never the thing. So as soon as I was hearing from it, there were just like, you know, there's obviously it's us or, or, or whatever it was. Pretty early on, I was like, in with it but mm-hmm. there was something there where like i had to go to bed i gotta go to bed it's not like oh because santa needs to come or necessarily but even if it was like my parents we gotta put gotta put the christmas presents underneath the tree i gotta go to bed there's something about mm-hmm. going to bed at time and then waking up and then and then, but that was only like really 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 early on and then it quickly changed to what is more common that um latinos just stay up till midnight and then right at midnight they open presents so mm. there, what illusion of santa is there obviously none the presents are there, are there. and they are yeah. waiting to open them and midnight we eat and we don't do this anymore uh, i've I've shifted my parents to be like, we're not eating at midnight. Like, no, I don't. That's ridiculous. Like, we're going to eat at a normal time. We're going to open mm-hmm. presents tomorrow. Like, mm-hmm. y- you know, it's mm-hmm. like there's no rush. I, You got me mm-hmm. like a couple of things. I got you a couple of things. We'll open them in the morning and watch. We'll watch a Christmas movie. We'll eat stuff. We'll do everything. 
Yeah. Um, I also never believed in Santa simply because, um, and it's like, it's, it's, um, I love it because it's very childhood logic, but I was just like, okay, well, we don't have a chimney. Exactly. So coming. Exactly. Like, we didn't have, there, there was not even any little tube that went from the roof into the house so i was just like well where's he coming no no, no. i even thought <laughs> I just about remember it distinctly thinking as a kid like no like, we don't well what's he doing we don't have a uh chimney fun- that's funny because like i remember as a little kid i i would look up i live in an apartment and then like i looked up in the apartments and and yeah there are these like little tubes yes, yeah yeah yes. and so then mm-hmm. i was like dad what are those little tubes you know just t- thinking like if Santa were to come, he mm-hmm. would use those little tubes and it's just immediately nipped that in the bud. Get and he was, he was like, <laughs> so the exact thing. those are bathroom exhausts. And I'm mm. like, oh, <laughs> I don't want Santa to be coming down mm-hmm. in the bathroom through mm-hmm. the shit, shit exhaust. Yeah. That's gross. You know, and I was yeah. like, yeah. yeah, you know, anyways, but remember, in, and I don't know if you ever saw it, but the, um, the Santa Claus movies. Yeah, he does. He goes down this little... In one yeah, of yeah, the, yeah. And it just morphs a into a fireplace mm-hmm. and everything. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. that sort of explains it. And then in the Christmas yeah. Chronicles, it's even better. It's like, you don't need no chimney. He, that's just the... He just goes in however he goes in. He's a magic man. Mm-hmm. Like, he just magically yeah. pops into the house and drops the present and magically goes out. Like, there's no mm-hmm. chimney that he needs to go down. Um... I actually like the action of wrapping presents. I enjoy. I know. I really enjoy. Like, I do not mind. I. I it was the other day. I wait till I have all my gifts, and I was like, okay, and I'm gonna sit down here for an hour or two, and I'm just. Gonna you wrap give me empty gifts. boxes, and I will wrap them. And you know, I don't care. Yeah. I just. I will just wrap. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> when, I don't. When I the really, yeah. when the things align perfectly, and you know, crease, the I know, perfect, and it's so perfect uh, thing. thing just, and it's just, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then and then, then that, yeah. you could put that bow and then maybe sometimes i put a ribbon and then i cross the ribbon I, so and, i didn't do ribbons this year but last year literally every single gift that i wrap i just put a ribbon around it because i was like i i i remember i'm pretty sure i youtubed how to do it where you don't where yeah you literally use one big string but you can wrap it ah uh, right like it's going the four ways uh-huh. if that if you get what yeah, i'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah and then you do the bow and everything and i literally i I've ribboned everything. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to put this new skill to use. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm the same way. I, I enjoy just wrapping gifts. Uh, a quick segue. So it was my nephew's birthday and I got him like Naruto stuff because he loves mm-hmm. Naruto. And um, I put it in a big box and... I got this wrapping paper. P.S. Wrapping paper is just not a thing uh, outside the U.S. Again, the U.S. is all about uh-huh. commercial and like trying to find a place that has like wrapping when it's paper. not Christmas. Wrapping paper was just difficult. Like it was, mm. it, it was you know you could find bags, right? Yeah, yeah. But but it was such a small section. It was all like flowery stuff. It was just hard. And then. It, but I did find a specialty store and, and they sold. And it was cool. It was wrapping paper for you know, happy birthday. And um, it was like y- you could color in. It was like black and white. And you can color the wrapping paper to your delight. You know, it was just, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And so I wrapped it. 
I took my time. I like got I got colored pencils or markers, or whatever, and I colored it, and I just took all this time. Literally, I I just smoke a bunch of weed, and I was just like coloring <laughs> and just coloring and just coloring. Yeah. Uh, it, it was it was. I like I'm not gonna complain to what happened uh, because it was very uh, enjoyable, and I love rapping. But like I gave it, and it was like, and then it was like no attention yeah, to no. the. I didn't even see that I had. And like, of course, I didn't mention did you it. See? I didn't mention it. I was just like, it's fine. He probably just thought it was like that and he didn't even realize. But, you know, that's how much I love rapping. That's some nice rapping paper, man. You might want to look at it again. (laughs) (laughs) Just glance at it. Look at it. Look, you see it right there. It's on the floor. Just just appreciate it for two seconds before you throw it in the trash. It's already in the trash. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Aw. But that's cool though. I've never seen that where you can come yeah. and do it yourself. It was that's like awesome. went from I'm not going to find wrapping paper to find this is the best wrapping paper. Yeah. Do your do it on your do it yourself DIY. Do it yourself. Yeah. Um. Well, that's that. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. That was awesome. That was very informative. Um, I hope all you guys listening have Enjoy a wonderful happy holiday do happy it as holidays. you want to do it whatever exactly. you can um say hi to your family and, mm-hmm. and your friends we'll see you next year for happy bir- happy birthday baby jesus happy Excuse me, black baby jesus happy oh. birthday <laughs> definitely not white definitely <laughs> towards the darker <laughs> spectrum jesus exactly. and uh we'll see you for the who knows what 2021 is i mean jesus right right all i want for christmas is a better year a better year a better next year a better next year <laughs> a better next year yeah yeah that'd be good that's all we can we can hope for but you guys stay safe out there have fun um kevin kevin <laughs> <laughs>